Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a really exciting guest joining us, you know, from Startup Nation. You know, we're going to be talking a lot about building, scaling, financing, all the good stuff that we like to hear. Uh, and some of the things that we're going to be diving in today is challenges in the early days, like, for example, fundraising, how to go about convincing people, the stresses and pressures of being a, a founder, you know, of any company. You know, nobody really talks about that. There's a lot, you know, of stress and a lot of pressure that a founder undertakes. Also, going from the early stages to really grow stages where you're thinking about scale, as well as having a culture where employees are not leaving, you know, which is really amazing. The teamwork and collaboration that this founder, you know, and his team are fostering, as well as navigating the current environment. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Ed Kovitz. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Great to be here. So originally born there in Israel, you were born in a kibbutz. With no car, no, 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 nothing of that nature. So, you also walk through memory lane. How was life growing up? Um, yeah, so I grew up in the kibbutz. For those who don't know what it is, it, it's like a small um, village where, where it's really like a community. Everything is shared. So, uh, believe it or not, you know, we didn't own our, our house or, or a car or, or anything. Everything was, you know, kind of belonged to everybody. Uh, which which sounds may sound pretty crazy to to some people, but I can tell you as a child it, it's you know it's actually great. Um, it's a great environment to grow up in, and you know super friendly and safe and, and like a big uh, family. Um, you know we did we did move out of there at some point, but it was a great uh, childhood. Um, and uh, and uh, you know grew up with uh, um, a dad who was an engineer and a mom who was an artist, so all my life was kind of uh, on on. A combination of uh, art and, uh, and and science or tech, I guess, which which still uh, still today I, I feel like I like both. Um, yeah, overall uh, great uh, childhood. So tell us about the army because also going to the army there in Israel is mandatory, and yeah, I think that this gives you also great uh, ethic, no, and discipline. I think that in your case too, it also allowed you to learn about management. Because you were also learning, you know, there about managing teams, and you were in fact managing teams. So, how was this experience for you as well? Yeah, true. So, you know, in Israel, when we are eighteen, uh, you go to the military, which obviously is is um, something that I wish wasn't true, but it's something that that uh, we have to do, and and as a country, and uh, you know, the 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 only upside to it is is yes, when you're eighteen, you actually get to to experience. Um, you get a lot of responsibility, um, you know, being in charge of, of really important things and, and managing people and, and leading uh, very critical projects. Uh, I served in a unit called 8200, which is kind of like the, the NSA in the U.S. You know, it, it's a place where we we focused uh, on cyber security, um, cyber offense. Um, I was there. For a while, so I actually stayed there for extra time to become a, a manager or a commander. Um, eventually, managed five teams that were doing this kind of you know cyber campaigns and research. 
and it was it was great i i got to you know learn so much and and get amazing responsibility and and work with some of the best people i ever met so uh, overall it gave me a lot um and uh, and that's where i actually met some of the people i work with today and how was that the transition to into building your company because after you uh came out of the uh, army you know, basically, you got to work on uh, government, on security, and and things of this nature, uh, which kind of like really gave you the uh, exposure to what you wanted to build later on with identity security. You know, which is essentially you know some of the stuff that uh, led you to what you're doing ultimately at the Silverford. You know, those sequence of events that needed to happen. So, give us some you know walk through those sequences. You know, and how things unfolded towards, say, you becoming a founder ultimately. Sure. So, yeah, after after the the military, I I went to work for for some governments, as you mentioned. Um, worked with a few countries in in Europe and Asia, and basically had to had had, had you know, I guess the, the opportunity to design the national cybersecurity architecture uh, for the entire country, which was amazing experience and, and, and opportunity. Um, and by doing that, I got to see uh, cybersecurity from a perspective that I think is, is pretty rare because it wasn't looking at organizations. It was looking at the entire internet communication of, of a whole country um, and really understanding what, what attacks look like in a much more kind of zoom out uh, view. And uh, what I saw there, which correlated with what I learned being on the offense side in the military, is that identity is really the almost the, the go-to uh, attack vector for, for cyber uh, threat actors, um, because it's just easy. I mean, if, if I can um, you know, get someone in an organization to, to tell me the password or, or I can somehow steal their credentials, I can log in through the front door. And why even why even bother doing anything else? You know, any any more sophisticated attack if if that is such an easy blind spot for most companies. Um, so I I saw that, but I think that what got me to to want to do something in this field is the understanding that there are already so many solutions out there for identity security, and somehow that problem actually is just growing. So I I really wanted to understand. What is missing? You know, what? Why is identity security not actually solving the problem? Um, and and uh, you know, I, I felt like I have some theories about it. By the way, one of the things I learned is as soon as you start actually building a product and meeting customers, all of those theories become irrelevant, and you 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 know you learn what is actually missing. But but that was got what got me to wanting to start that journey is the understanding that there is a huge problem and it's not being solved. So then for Silverford, you know, obviously uh, the company, the way that it has evolved and what it has come today is, is pretty remarkable. But I know that the early days, you know, were not easy uh, and they were full of challenges. Um, now, before we go into those challenges that I'd like to ask you about, you know, specifically when it comes to fundraising, for example, what is Silverford today? What is the business model and how do you guys make money for the people that are listening to get it? So Silverfold is a company that um, brings identity protection everywhere to every system, every user, every environment in in the the organization. 
Um, and I think that uh, it's something that uh, we were able to to bring to places that identity security just couldn't get to before. What I mean is we built a product that can protect systems that couldn't be protected until today. Um, a lot of critical systems, you know, legacy systems, non-human identities, uh, command line tools, all kinds of things that were just considered blind spots that you couldn't secure. We built a platform that can bring identity security to all these places. We sell it to companies around the world. So we have teams in, in uh, 15 countries today. That, that, so we, we operate in many markets. And, and we work with companies from very small ones to the largest companies in the world. We have you know, several of the Fortune 25 companies even um, as customers. So um, it, is, uh, it is becoming, uh, I think, um, very successful, but it took a long time to get to this point. And um, and again, before we we go into the you know the beginning, I'll say yes. After this this all this long road, we did get to a point where today the company is doing very well. You know, we are, we are uh, adding a uh, hundred new customers every quarter at this point, so the company is going really nicely. Um, we just completed our Series D funding of a uh, hundred and sixteen million dollars. So uh, so yeah, I mean. Today, the company is really on a great direction to to lead the identity security market. And what is the total amount raised today, Ted? Uh, Two hundred and twenty-two million. So now, bring us to the beginning of uh, of raising, you know, uh, all this money, no, to all these different uh, financing cycles. I know that the first financing cycle was very difficult. You know, the early days of convincing people of being able to showcase that canvas with the same colors that you have in mind, you know, because obviously you don't have something tangible yet. So how has it been the experience from that moment all the way up until they, until today? How have those cycles, you know, matured from one to the next? Uh, yeah, you're right. You know, when, when uh, things are going well and at this, at this stage, it's almost easy to forget the challenges of the beginning. And I feel like when I got started and I, I talked to entrepreneurs to get their advice, a lot of times people, um, you know, tell these, these, amazing stories about how well everything is going and how easy it was. And I think that that's, that's something that I actually, I think is, is not a good thing for us as an industry. Uh, the fact that people don't, don't share the challenges and the, the, you know, the stress that comes with it, because then entrepreneurs who actually start building their companies feel like they are the problem or, or they are, you know, almost uh, feeling like they're, they're losers, right? Because it's not easy for them. I think that the truth is now that I'm talking to so many CEOs in, in our stage, it's not easy for anyone. Um, and especially in the beginning, because you are, you're coming with almost nothing, right? You, you don't have any real um, proof or a product or customers or anything to show. And you're trying to, um, to convince investors that you're going to build something amazing. Um, it is challenging for anyone. And, and in our case, I mean, I came with, the, or, or we, me and my two co-founders, Yaron and Matan, we came from with the perfect background, right? We we all came from cybersecurity, military experience, um, experience in the industry, and still it's very hard because you know investors are seeing so many startups, and and for them to decide to invest in someone requires so many stars to align. Um, I think that one of the biggest challenges was um, you know the fact that uh, you need to convince someone that you're going to build something something uh, different in a market where there are already a lot of players and, and investors are comparing you to so many other companies and they're trying to figure out why would you be more successful than them? Because 
you know, and, and that is very hard to answer in the beginning because um, you don't have any proof. And honestly, the product, the idea that you have for the product is probably not the right one in the, in the very beginning. I know that ours wasn't the right one. Only when you get started, you, 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 know, you, you meet customers, you talk to them, you learn how to adjust. I mean, hopefully, if you, if you do it the right way, I think you, you are flexible enough. Uh, so in the beginning, all you have is, is you, I mean, the team, and, and you know, the, the problem that you're trying to address that, that ideally should be a good problem that people understand. In our case, um, seven or almost eight years ago, identity security was not a very attractive problem for investors. I think today it is. Today, people understand that identity, I mean, especially after COVID, right, with people walking from anywhere, um, you know, using devices that maybe even be personal devices. I think people understand that there's no corporate network anymore and identity is almost the last line of defense. But in the beginning, uh, when we started, identity security was not a hot topic. It almost was a, a boring, old um, topic. So it, it was very hard. We, we got a lot of no's from uh, tens of investors <laughs> before, we, before we found someone who actually believed in us. So what was that thing, also that journey to getting to product market fit and in that moment where you finally experienced that you were turning a corner with the business? So I think that the critical thing was us really listening to customers. It's so easy as an entrepreneur um, because you're so you're so focused on convincing people that what you're building is 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 the right thing that you you almost fall in love with your own idea. And and the risk is that you may just hit a wall. You may just you know try to convince everybody that you're right and not actually listen. And I think that what what helped is that at some point we realized okay. With customers, it's not even about us pitching to them. We have to listen to what they actually want. And when customers told us that the product we were trying to build is probably not the right one, it's not solving the actual problem, um, it took us time. Right? We did we did spend a few months um, fighting that uphill battle. But eventually, we we started listening and, and adjusted the product again and again and again until we got to to the right product. Um, basically, in our case, we believed that. The problem with identity security was that the security measures were not were not secure enough, right? Like, think about multi-factor authentication, for example. We we thought that the problem is it's probably not secure enough, and this is why attackers are succeeding to to breach organizations. Customers told us that's not our problem. These solutions are secure. Our problem is that these great security controls are just not available for so many of our systems. We have so many other systems that you cannot integrate uh, modern identity security into. Now, it took us time um, to, to figure out that that is the actual problem and, and shift our entire focus and, and our product to that direction. Then it took us even more time to you know, find the right solution. And I think that the point where we realized that we, that we have it is only when the conversation started to become easy, when we were in front of customers and it, it stopped feeling like an argument or like a battle and it started being you know, the the reaction from them was just so much better and they, they really understood and they really agreed. Um, and only then we started sensing, okay, this this is becoming real and, and we can actually start, you know, um, selling this. And then I think the, the 
critical point that you get to at some point is where, where not only you, the founder, can sell it, but you can actually bring in more team members who are successful in selling it. And that's where I feel like you know there's something here beyond you know, some early stage product. There's starting to be signs of product market fit. Hey guys, so pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell you that, you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back then when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process, whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieverson, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of um, a cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com. And we would love to take a look at helping you out. And obviously, the, um, to make that happen, obviously, the team is key. Uh, and the culture that you guys have brought you know, uh, to the company there, uh, teamwork, collaboration, you know, almost no churn when it comes to employees. I'm wondering, too, like how you guys were able to go about that. What were some of the critical pillars and the foundation you know, that sustain on? And, and I guess also how did the experience of growing up in a kibbutz, you know, in that community, you know, uh, feeling an aspect, you know, how you've gone about maybe bringing some aspects of that to, to, to that culture. Yeah, I think that um, I believe that in order for a startup to be successful, it's all about the teamwork because that is really your only advantage over the large companies, right? The large companies have more resources, more customers. The only thing you have is is a, a team that works better together because because it's a little smaller, because you know there's something about the culture that that make the different departments actually partner instead of instead of being enemies, like I think they are in some large organizations almost. And to build that, um, I became almost obsessed with um, getting the different people to 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 work as one team and not to not to fight inside the company, which is such a natural thing to do with you know politics and ego, these, these things are always, you know, trying to or starting to be created. And I think that I managed to not only focus on it myself a lot, but find other managers that, that share that mindset with me, that, that understand that in order for a company to succeed, we all need to be on one team. Um, and that requires a lot of, a lot of different things, right? It requires to create a culture where if things go wrong, you don't, you don't look at who to blame, but you actually just focus on how how we all improve as a team, but not not even care whose fault exactly it is, because that creates a lot of a lot of toxic conversations. Or 
you know, create a culture where everybody help each other, even if it's not exactly the responsibility, but, but it's more about what do we need to achieve as a team? And it's about transparency and it's about actually caring about employees where, where they need you, you know, in not, not where everything is good, but actually when things are bad and when an employee is in trouble, you know, it, the, the, the situations where true teamwork and true, um, you know, uh, I don't know, a culture where people actually care about each other is really tested. And I think that when you do that well, then employees also care about, about you, about the company. Um, and I think that that's what you, you need. You need people to, to be happy with where they are and like the, the, you know, the people that they work with and, and want to do something for them. Because my observation at least is that people don't really, I mean, they, they obviously come to work for salary, um, but they don't go above and beyond for that. They only do that for people. They do that for, for the people around them because they want, you know, the team to succeed. And that's where, I mean, you can, you can see the same, I, I think, in sport teams, right? P- people will go above and beyond for, for their team to be successful much more than they will do for, you know, for their salary or for the, the, the things that I think, um, I mean, so, some of them even believe that they are motivated by. I think that the, the people element is the crucial one. So we were able to create that, I feel, and, and we do have today a situation where, you know, very few people are, are leaving the company, and I think people are generally um, doing amazing things together as, as a team. And I hope that we'll be able to maintain that for as long as we can. So thinking about the team here, investors, culture, everything, you know, obviously vision is a big driver of that. No? Uh, and in a world, let's say, where you were to go to sleep tonight and wake up and the vision of Silver Fort is fully realized, what does that world look like? So... When we look at the identity uh, market today, I think that the biggest problem is probably the fact that identity in most companies is built out of many silos. So a lot of companies have one identity solution for the on-prem, you know, the legacy environment, and one identity solution for, for this cloud, and one for that other cloud. And all of these different identities, I mean, you may have three different identities, but you're the same person. You're, you're the same human that has these different identities. The way security works today is, is as, as a, you know, in, in each of these islands separately. And my vision for Silverfold is to be the company that finally creates that unified layer of security on top of all the silos of identity infrastructure. So I, you know, I, we started this company from wanting to bring identity security to the places where it just doesn't exist, you know, uh, legacy applications and uh, industrial systems and service accounts and all these blind spots. We are gradually evolving into something that I think is, is a much bigger opportunity, and that's the unification of identity security. And, and uh, the reason why I believe in that vision is if you look at other categories of security, uh, let's say uh, endpoint protection, uh, you don't buy that from, you know, uh, HP and Dell and Apple separately. You know, you buy it from one vendor that can protect all the, the endpoints, all, the, all these islands. And in identity, it's not the case. And I think it will be. And I think that we can be the leaders of that. We can be the, the company that actually builds that, um, that connecting tissue, that, that's unified layer of security on top. Uh, and I believe that we are on the right direction to do it. We're growing, you know, more than a hundred percent year over year for several years now. I think we are on the right direction um but obviously uh you know we need to to keep uh, doing it and not mess up we talked earlier about all the challenges they still they're still true today i mean I, there's still a lot of 
challenges every day, still a lot of you know pressure and stress that comes with the job, still a lot of things that we need to solve. Uh, but overall, I think that we have a great team, we have a great product, we have amazing customers, and I think that we are on the direction to achieve it. So um, I, I'm actually more excited today uh, than I, I ever was at Silver Fault about where it's going. So getting into that direction of growth and scale is not easy, right? And and shifting from the early stages where you're putting fires every day, you know, you're doing everything yourself, you know, there's not a lot of people. So then all of a sudden, you know, like you have all the unit economics figured out, you know, you have the right people. Um, what 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 does what does it look like when you shift from early stage to growth stage? What are some of the kinks and and hurdles you know you need to overcome in order to get it to that direction? You know where things are cruising, you know, which is where you're now. Yeah, I think it, it, this is a great question, and um, I think that uh, I mean I'm, I'm obviously still learning a lot of it, but I think that there are three key elements for it, and and it's it's you know product, go to market, and and people. I think that, I mean, we talked a bit about people, right? And and I think that the challenge there is just how do you maintain that culture when the company is growing and there's so many people and people don't even know each other anymore in, in some cases. Um, and, and, and you know, there's, there's a lot I think you can still do there and to, to create that culture, to spread it, um, which requires a lot of time and investment, right? I, I spend a lot of my, my personal time on that, on, on the people, resolving a lot of issues myself, working with the managers. A lot of it is, is really up to the managers because I, I can stand and, and, you know, come to your, uh, you know, to your show and, and say all these things, but they wouldn't even matter if the actual team leaders are not doing them in, 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 in the reality. So there's a lot of work with the management. Um, but I think it's, it's doable because we, I think we, we at least are still, still feeling that culture and I hope we'll keep it. In terms of the product, I think that the, the bigger, the big challenge there that we are we are in the process of today is how do you move from a single product to to an actual platform that has you know multiple product models on it that each each has its own you know product market fit and and an ability to to solve a big problem for for customers uh, we are doing it but it's not just about innovation it's also about building your organization in the right way to support multiple products and to build multiple products um and it's about uh, uh, not not letting yourself become kind of um, you know a lot of companies at certain size they stop innovating they just become kind of slow they just support their existing product and and they lose that and then another startup comes comes from the you know from behind and, and passes them so making sure that you still invest a lot of your resources in in new product and in innovation is critical and then go to market that maybe the you know the the biggest challenge in in scale I think that. Um, there are a lot of things there. I think to me, one of the key strategies there is, is channel partnerships. I think that you, you can sell the product yourself in the early days and you, you may hire more salespeople and get a bit more wins. But if you really want to scale, it's all about partnerships to me. Um, and that can be the you know channel partners uh, that, that we invested in from, from very early and we are, we are fully invested in that strategy. It can be technology alliances. Uh, we partner also with cyber insurance uh, companies who, who recommend their product to clients in order to get insured. Uh, a lot of partnerships, we, we invest in it a lot. Uh, and that does, I mean, it takes time. That's the challenging part. You, you, With every partnership, you feel like the first year or two, you're just doing a lot of work and there's no result. I think that's why a lot of people give up almost, where, you know, other founders I'm talking to. Um, our, our approach was always, you know, if that happens, you just lean in even more. Like you, you, you invest even more, and, and at some point it happens. At some point, 
uh, it's starting to to bring results and then it, it just explodes. Um, the other thing is, I found over time that one of the mistakes I did early on was was my message was very complex. We we explained our technology, which is a very complex technology, in a way that uh, we as founders could explain to someone, but there was no chance chance for a salesperson to explain that, or, or even to our customer to explain it to to his own team members. It was just a very complex technical story, and and sharpening that message into something simple that people understand, like. We can bring identity security to these systems that don't support it, that you couldn't protect before, and 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 not uh, spending an hour explaining the the technology, you know, too early in the conversation. That allowed the message to become a little easier to communicate and to spread, um, and and for the you know for the company to to scale better. Uh, so a lot of these kind of things. Um, that you know, obviously, I'm still learning. Right? It's it's. Uh, I think a big part of it is is knowing that you don't know everything and, and never never uh, becoming too arrogant about, uh, hey, I figured it out. I, I feel like part of the thing that allowed us to continue to success is, is knowing that we still have a lot to learn. Work in progress always. And yeah, exactly. So, uh, so let me ask you this. Let's say I bring you back in time. I put you into a time machine and I bring you back in time to 2016, to that moment where you're thinking about a world, you know, where you could bring something of your own. Let's say you're able to give a chat, you know, or, or to have a chat with that younger self, and you're able to give that younger self one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now? So I think that uh, I would I would have told myself that, you know, it's just, it's just a hard journey and to not be scared about the fact that there are challenges on the way. You know, it, it is difficult. I think that... Um, some of the frustration and the stress of, of doing this, of, of building a company, of building, you know, something out of nothing is, is the feeling that, you know, you are struggling and not knowing that it's, this is just the way it is. It's, it's hard for anyone. I know today, talking to other entrepreneurs, that this is just the way it is. Um, but I think that in the, in the early days, I, I, felt, um, I felt like it's just, it's, it's going, it's not, you know, it's not going to work out. It's going so, so, it's so difficult. It's, it's so stressful. Things are not going the right way. And obviously, you know, eventually we crossed these challenges and we we were able to solve it. I think that um, uh, part of the one of the most important thing I think for every entrepreneur is the ability to just, you know, get back up after every after every failure, after every challenge. But that's much harder to do when you feel like these challenges are about you doing something wrong and not knowing that this is just the way it is. It's just a very hard journey to build a company. So I think I would have told myself a bit about how it is and that it is normal and this is just the way it is and and to continue to you know move forward i think that is probably the the most general advice i would give myself of course there are other advices i would give myself on on you know, how to position correctly in the market and maybe save myself a couple of years on the way but um but you know so much of this is just the the psychological aspect of of you know continuing to push forward that i think that is probably the most important thing is is just knowing that that this is how it is and it's hard and, and it's it's going to work out if you keep if you keep trying and if you, you know, if, if you believe. So for the people that are listening head, I would love to reach out and say hi. What is the best way for them to do so? <laughs> so first of all, anyone is, I'm more than happy to talk to anyone who has, um, you know, any questions, uh, whether it's, you know, obviously about our, our product, but also just about, you know, running a company, starting a company. I'm happy to help. Uh, you can reach out to me on, on LinkedIn, head Kovets. Okay, head is H-E-D. 
COVID is K-O-V-E-T-Z. Uh, so feel free to reach out. Um, and uh, again, I, I feel like when I got started, so many people helped me. Uh, other entrepreneurs were kind enough to, to give me advice and help me and introduce me to people. And I'm, I'm happy to do the same for others. Uh, and of course, if anyone is listening and, and want to learn more about our product, then definitely talk to me or, or go to our website, uh, silverfold.com, uh, to learn more. Amazing. Well, hey, well, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us. Yeah, thank you. Great, great to talk to you. And again, thank you for inviting me. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the DealMakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.